Well, hello everyone and welcome back. This is our daily devotional for Wednesday, February 14th, 2023. That's right, Valentine's Day. It is so good to be with you all this morning and I'm delighted to have the opportunity for this time with you. And as I say this morning, I know it may be some other time of the day, but whatever time it is, I'm grateful that we are together. I'm grateful for the technology that exists for this sort of thing. Um, I'm grateful for Old Providence Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church that has allowed me to uh, take part in uh, hopefully ministering to your life in this way. And I hope that it is as much of a blessing to you as it is to me, though I doubt it is because the Lord has blessed me immensely through these times. Now, all of these things being said, let's get started today because I left you on a cliffhanger yesterday. Um, somebody said it's kind of like a radio broadcast of old where you kind of get right up to the to the tip of what's going to happen. You're like, tune in tomorrow. And I don't mean to be dramatic. Not really. It's just, uh, as you'll see today, we come to a rather large section. Yesterday, we made it up to the point where Paul is addressing the crowd. But really, our focus yesterday was just on the lunacy of the mob and on the hatred of the world. We actually started yesterday in John chapter 15 with that promise from Jesus, that twofold promise. The first being, if they persecute me, they're going to persecute you too. But then that beautiful promise of sending the counselor, sending the helper, sending his Holy Spirit to help in those times of persecution. And the reason we started there is because that's that's what we see with Paul here in, in Acts chapter 21. Now today we're picking up in chapter 22, so you can go ahead and turn there with me. But at the end of chapter 21, Paul's been arrested um, after the Jews literally try to beat him to death in the temple. And, and you find it's like the Keystone Cops, right? You see the, the, the Roman commander, he thinks that Paul is actually an Egyptian terrorist, you know, that led an uprising. It's just crazy, y'all. And Deeper than that, we see just the, the, the scathing, the, the scathing hatred towards Paul. They want to snuff him out. Y'all don't believe the world's cries for diversity. The world wants to destroy Christianity, right? The world wants to be done with it. They wanted to destroy Paul. And so you just see this lunacy prevail, but you also see the Holy Spirit come to Paul. Um, including in how he dealt with the commander. And we got a little bit of a foreshadowing thing when, when the, the, well, I'll just go back. Verse 38 of chapter 21, the commander said, aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt and led 4,000 terrorists out into the desert some time ago? Just listen to how Paul answered. Paul answered, I am a Jew from Tarsus and Cilicia, a citizen of no ordinary city. Please let me speak to the people. Now, the citizen, uh, the, the city that is no ordinary city that he's speaking of here, we're going to find out, well, you probably know already, Paul's a Roman. He's a Roman citizen. He doesn't spill the beans on that yet. He's going to save that little nugget for later. We're not going to quite get to it today, I don't think, but we'll see. Instead, we will see how the Holy Spirit intervenes and what the Holy Spirit does through Paul. Herein we find the promise to all of God's people that we're not alone. Let's pray and we'll see this on display. Our God and our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us. And we pray that we would be able to see with your eyes, that we would indeed have ears to listen, that we would pay attention to what we find here, and that we would evaluate what we read 
and the relief that you give, that we would evaluate your intervention and see it for what it is. That indeed, Paul was not alone, but you worked in him and through him to achieve what you desired. Father, let what you desire be what we desire. Please guide us now by your Holy Spirit. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so Acts chapter 22. Remember, we left things off. Paul requested that the commander let him speak. We might say, well, what in the world? Would the, why would the commander let him do this? They literally have to carry Paul to the barracks because they're trying to rip him apart. What's the commander thinking? I think Paul throws him off with that comment about, I'm a citizen of no ordinary city. I'm not the man who you thought I was. And so after this, we find in verse one, as soon as it, well, Verse 40, having received the commander's permission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned to the crowd. When they were all silent, he said to them in Aramaic, chapter 22, verse 1, brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. When they heard him speak in Aramaic, or when they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. Now, time out very, very quickly. Realize what Aramaic is, okay? The New Testament is written in Greek predominantly, but Aramaic was actually the spoken language of that time, okay? You got the Roman Empire thing. Aramaic is kind of like a combination of languages, but nevertheless, that was the spoken tongue, and it was the tongue that everybody would have understood. And so when Paul starts speaking in this, they're like, oh, wait a second. Let's listen up here. So, as he continues, verse into verse two. Then Paul said, verse three, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. Under Gamaliel, I was thoroughly trained in the law of our fathers and was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. Again, time out, pause. When Paul threw out this name Gamaliel, okay, this is the equivalent. I tried to think of I don't know, an, an accurate example of, of, of who we might say somebody was trained under, okay? This is like, I don't know, it's like a, a, a when you see an artist, it's like, oh, they were trained by Leonardo da Vinci. Ooh, okay. Or when you hear a musician, it's like, oh, no, you know, they were trained by Mozart or he learned to see, sing country music by Alan Jackson. I don't, I don't know who your person is that you would elevate to this super high level, right? He, he knows how to cook. Yeah, he was personally trained by, I don't know, Justin Wilson or personally trained by Gordon Ramsay. The point is this. When Paul said, guys, I, I was trained by Gamaliel. Gamaliel was the preeminent scholar. The, the, the absolute height of heights in terms of the Jewish rabbi teachers, okay? You couldn't have received a better training than what Paul received under Gamaliel. Widely respected, incredibly wise, okay? So this is like somebody say, hey, I've got a business degree from whatever. I've got a technology degree from MIT, okay? Notoriety is what we're dealing with here, but also real respect and reverence for Gamaliel. And he says, I'm just as jealous as you are, as any of you are today. Verse four, to prove this, that's not verse four, but as if to prove this, verse four, I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison. Also, 
as also the high priest and all the council can testify. I even obtained letters from them to their brothers in Damascus and went from there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. Read between the lines. What is Paul really doing here? What's really going on here is he's showing, hey, listen, it's not that I don't understand your anger. It's not that I don't get it. In fact, I guarantee you that none of you are as zealous as I was. I not only persecuted followers of the way, right? Remember the way is that terminology that was used to describe Christianity. We saw this previously, very good way to describe Christianity. But Paul says, I wasn't only a persecutor of the way, I even left here. I went to, I was going to Damascus. I got letters of good conduct to go and to show so that I could go persecute followers of the way, Christians. I could go persecute them there, okay? Um, But as he continues, he's talked about going to Damascus. Verse six, about noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. All right, pause again, pause again. What is Paul doing? Y'all, he's offering his pedigree. Okay, there's one who was really zealous to destroy Christianity. He's thrown out Gamaliel at first, but then now he's thrown out the name of Ananias, who as well would have been incredibly highly respected. Okay, we know that he would have been because Paul calls him a devout observer of the law and respected by all the Jews living there. Also, that, that that's where his companions took him. And remember, his companions were not Christians. Okay. They didn't understand the voice of Jesus on the road to Damascus. His companions were with him. They too were going to persecute. Paul or Saul at the time was really kind of their leader to help him in persecuting Christians, to arrest them. Remember, as I've said before, Paul was like ISIS, y'all. I mean, really, he was the terror in the night for Christians. Nevertheless, Ananias' name is mentioned. Verse 13. He, Ananias, stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. At that very moment, I was able to see. Then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away calling on his name. Now, pausing for just a moment. This is one of those examples in God's word where we have a story in one spot 
And then we have all sorts of fuller explanation, more dialogue, that sort of thing going on. Do you remember when we went through this? It's been a while. I forgot. I meant to look it up in here. I could scroll back through sermon audio and see back when we were actually in Acts chapter 9. We're in chapter 22. Y'all know we don't move incredibly fast because it's God's word and we shouldn't. But nevertheless, um, we find not something contradictory in Acts chapter 9, but instead we don't find nearly as deep what we find here with Paul. But the reason being is it's for different purposes. Remember that the book of Acts is written by Luke to Theophilus. It's also for, for all believers everywhere for all time. But early on in Acts chapter 9, we get the basic telling of the story and the preliminary stuff. But here in Acts chapter 22, you have Paul addressing the crowd, right? Those who want to kill him, yes, but even deeper, those who want to wipe out Christianity forever, and so while we find the story in Acts chapter 9, we find this fuller explanation of what Paul was called to do. And we find the story of salvation. And what do we find? I kind of joked about it the last time, but we find Paul being claimed for the Lord by, him, by, by Jesus himself. To that end, as you continue, verse 17, when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying at the temple, I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking. Quick, he said to me, leave Jerusalem immediately because they will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, these men know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing me. Then the Lord said to me, go. I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Verse 22, the crowd listened to Paul until he said this. Then they raised their voices and shouted, rid the earth of him. He's not fit to live. Now, why has Paul said what he said? This is really the application for today. You know, this, again, is one of those places that I really wish we could see into the psyche, that I wish that we could see into the thought process, even the, the inclinations of the heart here to see all the things that Paul might have been tempted to say. You know, one option, just based on worldly wisdom, which is never good wisdom. In fact, it's, it's death. But nevertheless, he could have said to the commander, yeah. Yeah, I'm that guy, but you know, I'm, I'm really sorry about that. I'm, I'm not really a terrorist anymore. I mean, he could have done all sorts of things, right? But we find out here, it's fascinating. Doesn't it look like he's preaching a sermon? You know, where he's telling the Jews all about Jesus, and and, and indeed he's doing that, and he's he, he's he's quoting Ananias as saying that Jesus is the righteous one. He's bearing testimony to who Jesus is. But it's fascinating because we find a switcheroo at the end. Everything that Paul has been building to at this point is building actually back to what happened when he was first in Jerusalem after becoming a believer. And, and what happened was he wanted to start then and there telling all these people his, his rationale to the Lord way back when was, hey, Lord, listen, they know me. They, listen, if they're going to listen to anybody, they're going to listen to me. They know that I'm just as zealous as they are. I'm the same Saul that was there and held the cloaks of the men who stoned Stephen to death. They know me. I'm one of their guys. They'll listen to me, Lord. But God's response 
was quite the contrary. It's time to go. And so what we find is that while, yes, indeed, Paul bears witness to Christ and who Jesus is, we also find in the same breath that Paul tells the truth, that the Lord told him that this exact thing was going to happen, that the Lord revealed to him in, in, in fewer words, he said here, but the, the Lord revealed to him, you think they're going to listen to you? No, they're not going to listen to you. You got to get out of here. And so we find, and this is the application of today. I've talked about this in the past. Two things, really. Number one, the Holy Spirit always comes to our aid. Always, always, always. Paul was not left on his own to figure this out. The Holy Spirit was there. He guided Paul. He said exactly what the Lord had for him to say. And if you and I are ever in these circumstances, this is the importance of knowing the Spirit, trusting the Spirit, yielding to the Spirit daily so that if something like this happens, we'll be ready, right, to yield to trust. But the second application is that this passage teaches us something. It teaches us something about why we tell the truth, why we proclaim the truth. Y'all, I've talked about this in other passages, but something powerful here is revealed. Paul reveals the truth about who Jesus is so that people can hear he reveals the story of his own about his conversion, about how, hey, I was going to kill Christians too, but Jesus saved me, right? They have the opportunity. At this point, they have received the free offer of the gospel, and they can hear the truth and turn to Christ. But that's not the only reason Paul is telling them this truth. And that's not the only reason that we proclaim the truth. You know, the first reason that we proclaim the truth is so that people will hear the truth, be convicted by the Lord, and turn to him. Indeed, that's, that's number one. But another reason that we tell the truth is so that those who hear the truth, then that truth serves as an indictment. That truth serves as the evidence used at the day of judgment to say that all are without excuse. So Paul tells the truth with boldness, not concerned about saving himself, not concerned with appeasing the crowd, not even to say, no, 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 you've heard false reports about me. None of this stuff is true. I'm just like you guys. Look, I was in the temple. I was cleansing myself. He doesn't do any of that. He tells the truth for the purpose of its conviction or its indictment. And the reality is, is that you and I might be facing similar situations as well. Sometimes the Lord calls on us to be in certain situations, situations that are very difficult, not as difficult as this for the most part, but situations that are very difficult where we got to deal with people, where we got to deal with things. And what we're called to do is tell the truth, not weasel out. What we're called to do is tell the truth in love, indeed, but not look for the easy way out. What we're called to do is proclaim the truth for the sake of people hearing the truth and turning. But if not, for the purpose of the Lord using that truth to indict and condemn. And y'all, it's the Lord's business which one he does. The underlying message of what Paul is saying here is that the Lord claimed me for his own. I joked about this, you know, on the road to Damascus, whether it's in Acts chapter 9 or repeated again here in Acts chapter 22, you don't see this bright light showing up and then a voice says, and I want everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. If you feel the Lord calling, I want you to raise your hand. I, I see one hand. 
Oh, I see another. You know, no, you don't see that. You see Jesus claiming Paul to be his own. Paul's not using this as an excuse. He's pointing to the power of Christ, the righteous one, to use the word, to use the term of Ananias. But in all of these things, he bears testimony. He bears witness to what he has seen. And Jesus Christ is glorified and proven right. And we see their response. Rid the earth of him. He's not fit to live. Not only is it the Lord's business how people respond to the truth, it's the Lord's business how people respond to us. But the calling here is that we don't tell the truth because of how people respond to us. And I get it, y'all. Nobody likes to be hated. Really, they don't. Um, I'm a Southern boy with that disease where I want to be perpetually liked. Uh, that's a nice way of saying I'm prideful. Nobody likes being hated, and the people that do, they really despise it. They, or the people that say they do, they really hate it. They're some of the most vain people on earth. But nevertheless, the truth is not a possession of ours. The truth comes from the spirit of truth, and we're stewards of it, just like everything else. We have to tell it. Tomorrow, we'll see what happens next. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us. We thank you for Paul's boldness and the intervention of your Holy Spirit. Oh, that we would be bold. Use your truth to do what you will. It is our prayer, though, that people come to know you, that they turn. And if not, we praise you that you are just and you are sovereign. Oh, Father, let us be bold. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we will be back tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. I've joked about it all week. Have a very good Valentine's Day. Uh, men, go buy a, I don't know, a flower or something for your wife. Yeah. Anyway, men, if you have daughters, love those daughters. Anyway, thanks so much for being a part of this time.